0: I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us through our podcast. Let me extend a personal invitation as well to join us at RRPC in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. This is the Easter season. We explore together resurrection hope as a people of faith. The Lord has risen. The Lord has risen indeed. May you be renewed and empowered, comforted, and challenged as we listen to and for God's Word together today. Hi, I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church, and thanks for joining in to our sermon podcast today. We hope you find God's love, grace, and challenge as you listen to and for God's Word. 39
1: through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to James and John to the home of Sam, Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother and Law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So they went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus helped healed many who had various diseases they also drove out many demons but he would not let them demons speak because they knew who he was very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed simon and his companions went to look for him and they found him, they exclaimed, "Everyone is looking for you." Jesus replied, "Let's go somewhere else to the near my villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he, he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons, the word of the Lord.
0: So it dawned on me earlier. This week, this is like the 14th year in a row I've done a um, Scout Sunday. It also dawned on me earlier this week that I am probably the worst person in the world to be the person to preach a Scout Sunday. Because I was probably the world's worst Boy Scout or Cub Scout. As a matter of fact, if we're, since we're doing confessions here, um, I was only in Cub Scouts one year. At the end of that one year, I was politely encouraged to explore my options. (laughs) Beyond scouting. (laughs) And and here's the real kicker. um, The assistant den mother was my mother. (laughs) So if I'm not mistaken, the way it works, back then anyway, the troop that I was a part of had this system of demerits during the meeting. It was for misbehavior. And so whoever tallied the most demerits by the end of the meeting had to help the scheduled cleanup crew that night reset the room at Epworth Methodist Church in Concord, because that's where I was. So needless to say, far more times than not, I was the demerit winner. (laughs) So I often had to help the other the scheduled cleanup crew clean up the room so they could get it back in use for what the church would need the room for for any functions they would have in the building the next day. But here's, here's the thing. Looking back on it now, all these years later, I've got to say that was an odd thing for the troop to do. Think about it. How is it that messing up or acting out leads to doing something extra for the troop and helping others, that doesn't really make sense on some levels because scouting is supposed to be learning about just how cool it is to serve others. So why would we turn service into a punishment, right, for the troop? The scout motto is be prepared, which means you're always in the state of readiness To do your duty. Duty for scouts are these. Here's a few of their duties character development, spiritual growth, good citizenship, and guess what? Friendly service. From its inception, the scouts were and are designed to build character, physical fitness, practical skills, and service. Service is a part of the original part of what is supposed to be the program of scouting and still is to this day. And yet for my pack, service to others was used as punishment. Wouldn't it have made more sense to say the person who didn't mess up, the person who was the best kid in the group tonight, guess what? You get to clean up. That's really service. That's what scouting is supposed to be. Not punishment, but it's a reward. I mean, wouldn't that been with the whole service theme? but in our culture, our culture, we've adopted this notion that that's what we're supposed to do. Do what we can to get out of service, work beyond that, get beyond. that's our aim, not scouting. I'm not blaming scouts for that. I'm just saying it's just what we are part of. In fact, our whole work notion is that we work so then we can get to the point where we don't work anymore. After a lifetime of vocation, we're supposed to go off. Retire, as we call it. And somehow that makes total sense to us. Let's think about it just a little bit when it comes to Mark's gospel today. Today we find Jesus, he's been preaching in the temple before our passage and a man with an unclean spirit comes to him and Jesus heals him. Now Jesus has put in a full day. He's he's worked his shift. He's going home to relax with the disciples and catch some basketball games on Epsilon Sigma Pi Nu. Come on, y'all. It's Greek for ESPN. Come on. It's all great to me anyway. So you get it. It's cool. Okay. So Peter has the biggest big screen TV. He's got the best man cave. So he says, hey, y'all, y'all come over to my house and y'all hang out with me. Peter figures, you know, my mother-in-law's there. She'll cook for us. Everything's good. She's probably already cooking. She won't mind throwing in some extra food. So they go. Jesus and the disciples, they get there. They trek along and they get to his house and. Peter gets there and it's like, hmm, something's funny. I don't smell any food. That's weird. And he calls out in the house. It's kind of quiet. Hello, anybody home? Peter steps upstairs to check on things. And y'all know how, how things are going these days with the flu. Everybody's catching it. It's, it's really serious. And so it's kind of the same thing here. He comes back, Peter comes back down. He's got one of his little masks on. For the guys, and you know, when somebody's wearing one of those masks, it ain't good. So he comes back down. He's pretty apologetic. Hey, fellas, uh, the mother-in-law's sick, and eh, this really ain't gonna work tonight. Okay, y'all are gonna have to,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, go somewhere else. I don't know. It's all off. And Jesus kind of rolls his eyes and says, "Come on, Peter, where's she at, buddy?" And I just want to go see her. So Jesus goes up. Mother-in-law is there. Jesus smiles at her. And the text tells us this. He takes her by the hand. He lifted her up. And the fever leaves her. And she gets up and she begins to cook for everyone. Now, before anybody freaks out in this room, let's just remember that things were much more paternalistic back in those days and roles were more well-defined. I'm not suggesting that this is the way it should go, but I'm just saying that you read this passage, and all my life I've thought, you know, Jesus, that's a pretty cool thing to do. You heal this lady, and then, hey, get up and cook something for us, okay? I want a sandwich. <laughs> so Jesus heals her, and then she goes and cooks for a whole room of men. Shouldn't there be some rest in here? I mean, you know, shouldn't he say... OK, you're healed now, so, you know, take it easy and you don't have to take two aspirin because you're healed. But call me in the morning. But here's the deal. The commentator, one of them that was, I was reading through, made me think, rethink this whole passage in a way I've never thought about before. Think about it this way. Here she is, like most of us, you're sick, you're crashed out on the couch. You've got your blanket, you've got your box of tissues nearby, your hot cup of tea your hot coffee or whatever. You've got the remote in hand, you know, it's daytime television. You've got to be able to change the channel. How many times can you watch Judge Judy in one day? And Jesus comes and he, it, and he heals his mother. And it says he lifted her up. And, the, and, and what he, he said there is that he raised her up. Jesus raises her up. And it says he heals her, he makes her whole. is the the way it should be translated. He makes her whole. And her response is. Boom. I've got to go and do some service here. That's what I should do. This very notion of incarnation. That is that God comes to us in flesh. The incarnation is that God comes to earth in human form. We know this intimacy of God. And we really do need intimacy. I don't care what other people say. Personal interaction, we need it. We need that for wholeness in our lives. So we need relationships like this one that are far beyond what we can get to one another in the virtual world through a screen, through a tweet or a Snapchat. And and I'm a big phone user, but we still have to have this encounter just like Jesus had with this mother-in-law. Jesus didn't raise her up from a distance. He he touched her hand. He touches her hand. He raises her up. And he didn't just raise her up to go take a rest. He raised her up, not to twiddle her thumbs. But she does what she's exactly called to do. And that's serve others. She does this because that's what disciples do. They serve. All people of faith are called to serve you see, that's where the kingdom of God kind of butts up against the culture of the world in which we live. If you work hard, you get the rest. If you work hard enough, you get promoted. And the premise on being promoted is the work gets easier as you go up the ladder. At least that's what some people think. In fact, we go from being servant to others serving us. And that's the way we want to think, right? We get to a place where we can finally go... And everybody else does stuff for us. After all, we've earned it, we say. We've paid our dues. So now someone else at the bottom can do the dirty jobs. In fact, we call those service positions, really. Where people who aren't skilled enough do everything else. That kind of, do all those kind of work. But if we took at what it means to be a follower of Jesus, of Christ... We're supposed to be working towards the faith and working to serve others. From John's gospel, Jesus is there with the disciples in that last night, that last supper. And he says he had come from God and was returning to God. And he knew that. And he got up from the meal. And what does Jesus do? He starts washing their feet. From John's gospel, Jesus tells us the Son of Man... Did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom of many. Our book of order, the book of order that runs, that we use for the church here in the Presbyterian Church. It says the election of the people of God for service as well as salvation. It's our call to discipleship. Today in our story, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And she's brought to wholeness, to completeness. And she takes her rightful role as a disciple of Christ and serves others. We can learn a lot from her because a lot of times when we think of higher callings, we think of them to be more spiritual. Well, you know, I can start out working in a soup kitchen, washing dishes and work my way up and then go off to seminary and become a minister. Because we know ministers don't do anything, you know, they only work one day a week. And today I've got a lot of other people helping me out, so I'm down to about 30 minutes today, you know. <laughs> but here Jesus blows that ideology out of the water because he tells us that, as one of his very favorite sayings in the gospel, you want to be first, you want to be a leader, you want to be great, you got to be a servant to everyone. That's how we're raised up. You're raised up by Jesus, touched by him to serve other people. About 35 years ago, Henry Nouwen, he's a Dutch priest, a theologian, a psychologist, and an author. He was was appointed to be in a position as a professor at Harvard Divinity School. Harvard Divinity School. In academic circles, let me just say, that that is the creme de la creme. That's the top. When you get one of those spots, you do not generally give them up because there's no place else to go. It is like the time being at Harvard, just put it this way, is at the top of the heap. It, it is the Duke of the North. OK, <laughs> I mean, seriously. So now and had been at, at Yale for 10 years, another great school. And and then he, he gets to he gets to Harvard. And they and, and the reports about Henry Nowen where he really liked other people doing things for him, okay? He was into being served. Well, he takes, once he gets this position at Harvard, he he goes to this large community, which is in France. And this large community is nothing but a design to help adults who are disabled. And many of them are seriously disabled. And going there, he spent some time there with some friends, and 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 there, he doesn't get served. There, you have to work to take care of the adults who are disabled. You have to. That's the deal. You go there, and so Henry, this great Harvard, he, he can't say, well, you know, I'm a professor at Harvard Divinity School, and so, <laughs> you know, I'm just cooler than everybody else. They're like, yeah go get the bedpans and clean this up, okay? Or whatever. That's just the way it goes. And so when he comes back, he's so moved by this, he quits this appointment that he just got, and he goes to serve the large community in Canada, where he spent the rest of his life, really, serving. He just gave up being a professor at Harvard to go there and do that. It's amazing. Also, the sisters. The sisters are what we call these two uh, folks that are in my family. We call them the sisters. They were in my church. There were these ladies. They were two sisters who had never married. They lived in the same house. They were teachers in the community. They never spent a lot of money on clothes. They were a little quirky. They would drive their car to church, and they'd have their cat in the car, and they would leave the car running through the whole service with the air conditioner or the heat for the cat, okay? They're a little quirky. They were two funny ladies that people would overlook all the time. But here's what they were. They served that local school community for years And even after they retired, they would go back and be substitute teachers all the time. And these are two people, and and at church, people would not pay that much attention to them. But they didn't care. All they cared about was helping and serving other people. But I tell you what, they both died within a month of each other in the past year. But people are paying attention to them now. Because... These two teachers who had served their whole life continue to serve their community because they have five scholarships in their name that they back yearly, $25,000 apiece, renewable every year going on. They left their congregation $600,000 and they left the Humane Society the same amount so they could be in service every day of their life, and even after their life. People that most people would look over every single day. Service. We're called as God's people to serve. Jesus heals us, makes us whole, touches our lives, raises us up for service of one another. (laughs) Thanks be to God. May we be faithful. Amen. This is Neil Carter thanking you once again for listening to our podcast at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. You can also visit us at our website, complete with our online donations for those wishing to give. Come check us out at our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Or if you're in the Harrisburg, North Carolina area, feel free to drop in and visit us in person. Thanks again for being with us today.